With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Previously on El Flow. Pedro Rosselló quiere hacer algo ahora. Pedro Rosselló, mano dura contra el crimen. Y todos tienen rifle y todo. And everyone has a rifle and everyone is dressed as if they're going to war. They build these huge gates around large caserios. They literally look like prisons. There are a lot of people who grow up in caserios who become underground rappers or reggaeton singers. As a result of that, underground is seen as sort of the cultural wing of this crime wave. What motivates me to intervene? Well, first, many of the songs at that time obviously glamorized the use of drugs, as well as the objectification of women. They were super hardcore. When we wanted to deal with someone who was in the world of obscenity, I assigned undercover agents weekly to intervene, and when I intervened, they were toast. Oh man, they were everywhere. They hit every record store, every record label, every distributor. They were arrested and they seized all the merchandise because they said that the music was pornographic. There was a time that if you listened to our music in your car, you were fined $500. Right now, reggaeton in the music industry is the movement that is sustaining the record labels. And where did it come from? From underground, from Puerto Rico to the world. This is El Flow, a journey to the roots of reggaeton. My name is Lilia Luciano. I'm a CBS News correspondent born and raised in Puerto Rico, the cradle of reggaeton. You're listening to episode 12, The Recap. With the end of the year coinciding with the midpoint of our series, we thought it'd be a good time to take a look back at some of the stories we've told so far and also get into some details that were left out. To do that recap, I wanted to do something different. So joining me is the producer and creator of El Flow, Vitenis de Julis. He's the voice that you don't hear every time we do the podcast. He's in my ears uh, saying, no, 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 read that over again. I don't know, that didn't sound. You have your news voice on. Let's, <laughs> let's go back. Viti, you have, you know, come up with this idea along with an entire team of people. We started a conversation earlier and now we're 10 episodes in. I mean, it went by so fast. 
Let's go back uh, a little bit. I mean, where'd you grow up? What were your like music influences? Do you, re- I remember the first time I heard reggaeton. It's on the podcast. What about you? The first time I, I heard reggaeton, I think there's two moments, actually. There was the first time that I heard it in a friend's car in Caracas, Venezuela, like in the, the mid 90s. And it wasn't properly reggaeton. It was El General. I remember I heard the first El General song. And I was like, what is this? You know, because back in, in the 90s in Latin America, you listen to a lot of salsa, merengue, and rock in Espanol, you know, so that stereo, all the, and also, you know, grunge and that kind of music, you know, from the States. And so when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, this is different. And, you know, didn't, didn't particularly love it at first, but I, I remember the moment. I remember it, you know, we were in a black Hyundai in Caracas driving in uh, my neighbor's car. And then the next time that I heard it that I would recognize was in like 2004 in college. And I went to college in, in Massachusetts and all of a sudden, you know, at this house party, somebody puts on gasolina. And I think that was the first time I heard that. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? Like, how are we listening to a song in Spanish? And everybody was, you know, partying like it, like nothing. You know, it completely crossed the, the barrier to Western Massachusetts. And I was like, wow, okay. Reggaeton is something that has certainly crossed every barrier, every boundary, every border. You know, now everybody knows about it. Growing up, you know, I just, I remember those transitions from the underground, which we've covered, the Sahel underground. It's something that's, that's, you know, forbidden to something that, you know, is more commercial. I remember I was a host of Escándalo TV in, I think I started, it, it was a Univision sister network in 2006 when I graduated college. And around that time, we and Yandel were starting to, you know, they were huge, pero in Puerto Rico. Um, still at that time, like, you know, the Univision shows with musical artists and things like that, they only kind of accepted or knew like Daddy Yankee, Don Omar, maybe, and BB Queen. And from there to now, there's been such an evolution that it's necessary to look back. It's necessary to like treat this as like a historic phenomenon, right? For you, I mean, what's the importance of documenting in, you know, in a documentary kind of way, the history of what went from a trend to a movement to just the most explosive global, I would say, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, but the most explosive, you know, global musical phenomenon right now? That's a, that's a good question. I think it, for me, reggaeton has always been something that you listen to at the club. And when I was growing up in Venezuela, the equivalent in Venezuela of the Puerto Rican marquesina is called a miniteca. Miniteca. So Party yeah, miniteca. Mini, yeah, like a mini discoteca. Nice. Miniteca. So what you have is, you know, when you turn 13, 14, 15, and you want to have uh, a good time, people would hire a miniteca, which is a DJ with a console. And some speakers, you know, big speakers, and you would have it in the backyard, the garage, any space where, you know, 50 to 100, you know, teenagers can fit. And you play a mix. You play a little bit of merengue, a little bit of salsa, a little bit of, you know, uh, American music. And that's when El General started coming in and you start to get, you know, your first uh, reggaeton songs. And so I remember it from then. I remember it from the clubs when I'm older. And then it, you know, slowly became kind of like the the soundtrack to the, you know, the years after 2004, you know, from 2004 to now, it's always been there in the background, whether you want to, whether you're paying attention or it's just kind of there. And I didn't really 
pay too much attention to where this music came from. I knew it came from Puerto Rico. I knew most well-known artists all came from Puerto Rico or, you know, had gotten their big break there. And then, you know, just recently, really, started looking into, you know, where does this music actually come from? Like, how did it actually start? How did it actually come into existence? And then I found a whole new world, which to me was way more fascinating than here's this music that's played at a club, that's made at a party, that makes you want to dance, that's responsible for a million hookups across the world. Way more than a million. Way more than a million, like a million a night. But this is, it's so much more interesting to me. And that is the history of the producers, the artists, you know, where they come from, how they found themselves in certain parts of the world at certain times in history, and how the context of where they were and when they were there influenced them completely in how they made the music and the music they made. And that in turn was just a step in this ladder that you know happened over and over and over, whether you're in Panama, New York, Puerto Rico, Miami, Colombia, and now you can pretty much point to any place on the map. You know, for me, it's really interesting. And, and what really, why I wanted to do this is, is, of course, for two reasons. One is, of course, the history of my grandmother, uh, Belda Gonzalez, who has been painted as some kind of villain or, or ultra-conservative political figure, which she was not. I mean, she was kind of, you know, the opposite of that. And the other reason is knowing the history of Puerto Rico, having covered the history of, you know, the oppression of colonialism, the oppression of corrupt politicians, and knowing that underlying history, I also wanted to follow the string that comes, you know, that follows that same history in terms of the culture, in terms of the music. What was happening in Puerto Rico in the 90s that people were experiencing these these uh, things and were expressing their feelings and telling their own stories through music? The music was a parallel. The music was a reflection of the times. And it still is. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You grew up in Puerto Rico. You grew up with underground and reggaeton. You know the history 
of Puerto Rico, you know, like the back of your hand. What has, you know, in making this podcast, what has stood out to you or surprised you about the story of both of those, about, about the musical movement and just the history of, of Puerto Rico? You know, one of the things that really surprised me is I didn't know a lot of the stories of how the music was created. One of my favorite episodes, the Playero 37 episode, I loved because that was it for me. Playero 37 was a big transition when the underground movement really exploded, that it wasn't so underground that the chamaquitos de escuela privada, like kids in private school in their party de marquesina, which is, you know, basically me. And I grew up kind of, you know, I, I went to private school. My dad could pay for private school. I lived in a pretty privileged neighborhood. There was a very defined line between surfer, like surferito, and caco. And caco were the people who were, you know, the underground people. And that was the socioeconomic division. Basically, it's, it's, a, it's a classist division, right? And then when Playero 37 happens, it's like, boom, everybody's into it. Every, like surfer, you know, caco, punk, whatever you are, everybody was into that. And what I love about that episode is hearing how it all came together, that like it's all recorded live and like the level of craft and talent to be like and you can't confuse yourself like you can't start over. So the raw like realness of it, but also the way that Playero 37 brought these two or more than two social classes together and, you know, had us all some like it's like this normalizing force that happens And now everybody actually admits to, oh, I like this music and everybody comes together. And that's what still in the weddings and whatever, that's what we go back to when we remember those songs. It's like, oh, man, the nostalgia of no more division. One thing that, you know, really surprised me or, you know, really caught my attention was how, you know, DIY everything was until a certain point. Yeah. And I'm talking about, you know. People are literally finding hacks to solve, you know, issues of how to make music that's basically a sample-based genre, right? Like, there's very little instruments being played, if any at all, for the first part of, like, for the history that we've covered up until now. Uh, from Panama to New York to Puerto Rico, people are, are using instrumentals. People are, you know, using samples. And what you can uh, do with a drum machine, like, it's kind of like the Wu-Tang story, you know, like how much power this one machine, this one thing that can, you know, replicate a certain number of beats can do to explode this urge you have to create, to manifest this music or this pain you have inside into artistry that can go far and can be memorable. Yeah, but even more than, than like, you know, the, the instruments is, is how, you know, in Panama, Okay, how are we going to get our music out? We live in uh, this neighborhood that's super isolated. We don't even speak the language that most people speak. We speak English. We speak Batua. Everybody else speaks Spanish. We grew up thinking we're American because there's this canal that's basically a U.S. territory. And we grew up there. And now we're in Panama. And how they, you know, how they solve that issue by, all right, there's a bus. There's a public transport system. Why don't we get on the buses? We'll play our music there. We'll perform live. People will get to know us. How But do you think it's like that? Do you think it's more people have the desire or the will to get their music out? Or people are just creating something that feels, you know, like that they just want to make. And then the world starts catching on and on and on. I think 
from the history that we've covered in Panama, New York, Puerto Rico. People were making music, but not just to make music and have it and listen to it, you know, at home with their friends. There was a real concerted effort to get it out. Yeah. And the bus in Panama was one way. In New York, they were doing it at the sound clashes, right? They were these these kind of battles between different dance hall groups. And in Puerto Rico, you had a different delivery system, which was the mixtapes, right? And you had the club and you had the noise. And I think that's a reflection of, you know, the going back to the socioeconomic element. They're not just, you know, following a, a passion. They don't have anybody telling them, oh, you're good at this. Follow this dream. That dream doesn't even exist. Nobody's built that dream yet. They're just surviving. You know, they're first of all, the amount of pressure that at that young age you have when you are growing up to and like there are these like turf wars happening all around you also match that to, you know, adolescence is when you haven't made the mistakes. So you don't know what you have to lose. You have nothing to lose. Right. And and it's pure adrenaline and it's pure hormones, really. And that's what happens with the music. It's like you have all these hormonal teenagers from whatever, you know, stage in the social economic spectrum who really just want to go out there and move their bodies and get really close to each other and sweat it off, you know, and get as close to sex as you can without actually, you know, doing it. <laughs> so it's a combination, right, of, of all of that and, and survival. You know what? Another thing that really has surprised me is just the role of the United States in, in different ways, you know, almost like a, and, and it's hard to, to, it's hard to, to frame this the right way because the music was created by people not in the United States, by people in Panama, by people in Puerto Rico. But those two places you mentioned, you can't strip out the United States from the identity of the people. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like the fact that the Panama Canal, the influence of the United States on building it, you know, operating it, basically owning it, uh, that, that strip of land, And bringing the workers, it's actually like, it's almost like, you know, they created the the community, the mix of cultures and races that was there because of the workers that were brought in to build it. And that's what sparked, you know, the birth of all this music. Yes, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's, it's amazing how, you know, some guy, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, in 1904, decides on this foreign policy that changes the face of... Of a, of a whole country. And that process of assimilation and migration creates a certain mix that, that creates the seeds so that this, this sound can be born. And then you have, you know, New York, which is, you know, a lot of people call it the capital of the world, where people from Panama can go, from people from Jamaica, from people from Puerto Rico can live in the same neighborhood and, again, bring their creative you know, juices together and create something. And then how that can travel to Puerto Rico so easily because back in, you know, 1898, this, you know, uh, Puerto Rico became a U.S. territory. Puerto Rico was invaded by the United States and uh, turned into a colony, which we still are. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, almost it's like the, the invisible hand behind it all that you know you need to address it's a big elephant in the room that you need to address without trying to take away any credit or merit from the people who are actually you know making the music 
That's it. It's the invisible hand in Puerto Rico has always been, you know, a ground for experimentation, for experiments the U.S. wants to do but won't do on what they call the mainland. Um, yeah, that invisible hand has been there experimenting. And some of the experiments have been intentional and some of the experiments have been organic. And I think, you know, reggaeton is one of those organic experiments. On the next episode of El Flow, we look ahead to preview what's coming up on El Flow in 2022, starting with the explosion of reggaeton proper, my grandmother's run-ins with the entire genre, and the globalization of the most influential Latin music scene in the century. El Flow is a production of Exile Content Studio in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. The show is hosted by me, Lilia Luciano and was created and produced by Vitenis Di Julis. Production and sound design by Dixo. Additional production by David Quiñones, Mirna Couto, Hermes Ayala, and Natalia Merced. Story editing by Nuria Net. Original music by Truco. Production supervision by Álvaro Céspedes. Executive producers for Exile Content Studio are Nando Vila, Isaac Lee, and Alejandro Uribe. Executive producers for iHeartMedia are Connell Byrne and Giselle Bances. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.